This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martirano. I hope you're finding us here on Saturdays, uh, each and every Saturday at this time. We're talking about the disease of addiction. And yeah, I know everybody's talking about addiction. It is uh, much, much discussed and in the news, obviously. Uh, we're here to continue that conversation because it's an important one. But Recovery Radio tries to uh, bring you perspectives on the disease of addiction and the road to recovery that you might not have considered. Uh, it's a big issue. Uh, it's important. If the disease of addiction ever visits your family, you will be among those who are blindsided by it. Everybody uh, more or less is. No one expects to have to deal with uh, substance abuse in their life or their family. So that's the that's what we're dedicated to. That's sort of the mission statement of Recovery Radio. It is, of course, sponsored by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. And we rely upon them, obviously, for financing, but more directly for the expertise of their people very often uh, to illuminate this uh, issue. So that's what we're about here. And... Um, we hope you have some time for us today because we have an interesting uh, program for you today uh, on Recovery Radio. You know, uh, I, most people, I include myself among this, uh, c- consider the progression to sobriety as beginning when someone goes, well, okay, time to get help. And it certainly is. That is a big, uh, momentous step for anybody in substance abuse uh, trouble. You, you got to know you need help and then try to get it. Uh, I wonder how many people don't know what happens next. I mean, they don't deliver. You got to go there. That's what this program is about. It's sort of the first step, or like I like to say, the first mile to on the road to recovery, and that's literally getting to the treatment facility. You can call Uber; they'll be glad to take you. But if you change your mind on the way and want to go to a bar, yeah, Uber will take you there. So that won't work. <laughs> so we're going to talk about getting literally to treatment. To that end, we welcome Jason Oliver with us. Jason is in the transportation department at Retreat, and he does just that. He's the uh, first person that's going to get you on that road to sobriety if you're lucky and you work real hard. Jason, welcome to Recovery Radio. Thank you. Um, did I get that right? That's I mean, you're not an Uber driver, right? You're not a taxi. You're a service. No, you got it right. So uh, let's talk about you. I know you're in recovery. Yes. You are how 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 long sober now? Um, almost three years. Oh, congratulations. That's uh, that's terrific. Uh, and now it's your job to help other people on the path. You you're you're covering yourself right now. Yes. So uh, t- tell me about you know who you are, where you're from, and and how your problems with substance abuse began. So I was uh, born and raised in Lancaster. Um, had a normal childhood, um, went to high school. And then when I got in high school, I started experimenting with drugs, um, just recreational at the time. Um, it wasn't until I turned 21, um, that I started having kidney stone problems. As a result of these substance abuse? No, no, the doctors Ah, thought I was thinking of, uh, producing them from birth. Right. So, um, that started a whole long process of 20 surgeries um, and 11 years on prescription painkillers. 11 um, years? 11 years. Yeah. So I got addicted to them. Um, 
it was just heavy doses. It didn't start out that way, but it ended that way. Um, and then a couple events happened in my life with my mother passing, and I turned to heavier opiates. Um, and by that time, I was so lost and so deep in my addiction that I didn't know where to turn. Pr uh, pr prior to the uh, to, to the uh, prescription drugs that you, you were giving, w characterize your your, your uh, drug use. Then I mean, was it was it? Would you say normal, out of control, or or uh, where every were drug you? that I ever experimented with was in excess? Mm -hmm. Every drug. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you looking back? Do you consider yourself as having a problem before your doctors um, prescribed opiates to you? I would, I would say yes, um, but I was always able to maintain or stop um, whatever drug I was yeah, using at yeah, the time. Yeah, so, so they, your doctors who are treating a legitimate uh, problem that is causing you great, this great pain, yes. kidney stones, um, prescribe, a, the, it's the proper prescription. They just don't know they're handing a, a, um, a lighted match to somebody who's carrying around a gasoline can, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and you didn't I, help. You didn't help them with that, did you? No, no. I, d I did not tell them about my prior drug use. You know, this is fascinating. You're a great guy to answer this question because we know about many, many, many people now uh, who have who have uh, become addicted to opioids and are abusing opioids. Had that same situation where, well, perhaps they had a mild problem or no problem at all, and then the drugs were prescribed to them justifiably because of pain, and then they wind up uh, uh, dependent. Uh, when you when you're taking them, when you're when you're there for for pain, at what point are, do you stop taking them for pain management, and now are taking them just because you, you know you want to stay high? Yeah, it's it's a slippery slope and a vicious cycle. Uh, with the prescription pain medicine. Um, at the beginning, it was just for the pain. I was taking them as prescribed. But then it turned into an abusive habit where I would just take them so I wouldn't feel sick because I was taking so many a day that even if I slept a full eight hours, you know, I'd wake up in sweats and everything. So it got to the point where... Um, I was just taking them just to stay my normal self. Um, so, yeah, it just became my new normal, taking pills every day. I didn't really think anything of it until um, about five years in. I knew I was getting deeper and deeper into them, and they kept on prescribing me higher and higher doses because my tolerance just kept on going up and up and i just rolled with it because i didn't know what else to do yeah it's so it's so uh, uh unfortunate maybe well it's, it's such an unfortunate circumstance because the doctors are prescribing you know a legal uh, drug uh, for the purpose stated to manage your pain to someone who is really just maintaining a habit at this point. So they're not looking. At any point, does any doctor say to you, you, you know, Jason, you're taking an awful high dose here, and we're writing a lot of scripts. Is something going on? I was never really asked that question. Um, I was always asked, is this enough is to help with your pain? And, of course, the addict in me is like, no, I need a higher dose. Sure, of course. You know? 
And the truth um, is that, that you do build a tolerance up, and you did need a higher dose. Right. To stay high. Right. The pain was no, no longer a factor, right? No, it wasn't until I was like 32 that I was like, well, maybe I don't need all of this anymore. Because it's been 10 or 11 years, I didn't know anything different. I haven't been off of pain meds, so I didn't know how I felt anyway, normal anyway. Since you were getting these for a, a legitimate medical reason and doctors were writing your prescriptions, were you able to function in the rest of your life? Were you holding a job? Were you able to do all that? Um, I wasn't able to hold a full-time job just because of the surgeries and procedures, the constant uh, being laid up and everything. Um, I would work uh, part-time uh, for my buddy's parents' pizza shop. Um, but, you, but you weren't getting in trouble and losing jobs because you had no. to feed a habit. No. You had, you had prescription medicine to take care of. That. Right. Yeah. Like I never I, – the doctors made sure I never went without. And this went on for 11 years. 11 years. At what point did you, did you, go, did you go to a street drug at some point during that 11-year process? Um, the last three years when I would run out of um, my prescriptions, I would just buy more off. Rather than go back to the doctor who would immediately go, wait a minute, I gave you 30 days and it's Correct. only been he eight days. Me. Right. Or, or I would go to the emergency room. And just act like I was having kidney stone pain, which I knew I wasn't, but I knew they would give me a shot. How often did you do that? Um, not as often because I didn't want to get red flagged there yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was um, relatively easy to maintain this flow of prescription opioids. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just get in the habit of knowing the system. Did, did, uh, at, at some point, did you progress to heroin? Yes. When did I, that uh, happen and under what circumstances? Um, my mother passed away and as an addict and I didn't know how to deal with all the emotions and everything of it. So I started actually, let me back up. My mother was dying. So I got off at all the pain meds to take care of her. You know, I, I should have went to rehab then because I did not feel normal. Um, but I had to take care of her. So... I got off of them, but when she passed away, I started getting from the street because I actually told my doctor everything. Um, so he wouldn't prescribe me anymore, the, the pain meds, because uh, I knew I had a problem. Right. Um, but then this guy I was getting from didn't have pain meds one day, and he had heroin, and uh, after that— Off to the races. Off to the races. Yeah, yeah. What was your doctor's reaction when you said after 11 years— uh, by the way, I got to stop doing this because I got a I got a problem. What did he say? Um, he was actually happy that I came to him and actually told him the truth. Um, he did have some, um, you know, thoughts that I might have been addicted because my pupils. I would go in there. My pupils would be big because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was still on them, but I wasn't doing anything. You know, I was going through kind of withdrawal from. You know the pills, um, but he was—he was just like, "Well, we'll get you help, or, 
or um, we'll lean lean you off. Yeah, we'll wean of, you down. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a long. This is ten years ago now, uh, over ten years ago. That process. One would hope that in a primary care physician setting, where a doctor's treating you for actual chronic pain. Uh, and they are using opioids. That they are now at least a little more aware of what they're do what they're uh, doing. I think it's a lot different now. I think doctors are more cautious uh, because of the opiate epidemic we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think they just freely prescribe opiates anymore, which is a great thing. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. So you know, try the non narcotics first, or you know, I mean, I tried everything. TENS unit, uh, physical therapy, nerve block injections. It's not like I didn't try anything else. Right. You know, but, you know, the way they prescribed the opiates back then, it's not hard yeah. to fall into that deep hole. The, the other uh, tragedy of the opioid adep- epidemic and substance abuse in general is that the impact it's had on people with legitimate uh, chronic pain because uh, they have to now uh, be careful and uh, doctors have to be cautious as well. Jason Oliver is our guest. Jason is in the transportation department at Retreat. He's talking about his uh, his struggles with substance abuse, three years uh, sober now, and his work here at Retreat. Uh, Jason is uh, a guy who uh, manages to uh, get other people on the road, that first critical drive to a substance treatment center, and uh, the beginnings of hopefully successful sobriety. We have more with Jason straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Please stick around. Hi, welcome back to Recovery Radio. Our guest this week is Jason Oliver. Jason is uh, over three years sober now. He is a uh, he works with the transportation department here at the Retreat uh, in Lancaster County, and uh, he's telling us about his experience with substance abuse. His uh, over a decade long struggle with uh, opiate uh, dependency, uh, his road to recovery now, and what he does at Retreat. We're going to get into. Uh, in a little bit later, but uh, so it's remarkable. Uh, over a decade of abusing uh, prescription opioids, and by the way, a long time before it became aware that this was this was going to wind up uh, hurting the entire country. Uh, so what happens now? You're now you're using street drugs. You're injecting injecting heroin. Uh, how long did that process go on? Uh, that process went on for about five six months um before my friends uh actually contacted my brother and my family and told them everything um your your friends were knew you were shooting up heroin uh they did at the end yeah at the end there um i was so lost um you know and depressed over my mother and just life in general, like, you know, where I was, um, cause no one grows up, you know, and wants to be a heroin addict. Um, but, um, so they, they called my family and, um, uh, my family didn't believe them at first. Um, but then my family came over that day and had an intervention for me. You're, you're, you're at 30, 30 ish. I was right? 33. 33 at, the at time. that point. Right. Yeah. They, so full blown intervention, bunch of people in the room. Um, there, there was like three people. Yeah. Did you know they were coming over to talk to you about this or were you, surprised? uh, my, my brother said he was getting me into rehab that day. Um, I didn't believe him. Um, so, but well, you certainly knew you were, you had a problem. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, at, at that time. Yeah. But w- when you are using heroin, um, 
you can't quit on your own. Yeah, yeah. I've always said this, and I'm I'm not I'm not an expert here, and I may be completely wrong, but uh, you know, people who have trouble with alcohol because alcohol is legal and social and all of that um, can pretty can can I think deny, 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 deny. Um, I don't think heroin addicts deny much. I think they're aware of what's going on. Were you, was that the situation with you? Absolutely. You just turn a blind eye to it because by that point, it's not even about the high. It's about just surviving every day. Yeah, right. So you're in the room and they say, listen, uh, Jason, this is not. This can't go on. Uh, and wh- what happened in the room that day? Um, I finally broke down and told them everything. And, um, you know, they were all in tears and everything. And my brother took me to the hospital, and they actually took me to the rehab in an ambulance. Um, you were ready to go at that point? Or were you Was struggling? I ready to go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I was ready to go. I knew I had to go. Right. Um, so, but best decision I ever made. Sure. Um, the f- actually, the first morning I was uh, – that I woke up in the rehab, I was going to leave. Like I had my heart set on leaving. Um, I was getting sick. Um, but then my mother was a huge bird fan and uh, her favorite bird was a cardinal. And um, that morning when I woke up and I was about to leave and I was packing my things, um, a red cardinal was outside my window and I got these chills going down my whole body. And right then I knew my mom was looking out for me and that's, the reason I stayed. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so for people who don't quite understand how this how this drug ch- changes your brain, you're there. You, you, you know you have a problem. The family has intervened. Your brother is taking you to the hospital. You're in the hospital exactly where you have to be to get a handle on this. But your first instinct, and you're not even dope sick yet, right? No. But your first instinct is, I got to get out of here and get and get more drugs. Looking back on that, does that, that strike you as odd or strange? Or um, no, because heroin, I mean, you're there physically, but spiritually and mentally, you're gone. You know, all, all the morals and beliefs and everything your parents taught you growing up go out the window. I mean, you are a slave to the drug. What was driving you mentally? What was driving you out of the room at that moment? Was it the fear of being sick or or what? The fear of being sick, um, the fear of being sober because um, it was so long. Um, you couldn't imagine a life where you or whether you would ever no. be successfully sober. Is that it? No. Yeah. I couldn't even no. imagine a couple hours sober, let yeah. alone a day. Yeah. If I, In other words, if, if you're not high, who are you? What right. am I? What do I do? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you stay. You have a, you have stay. a moment there where maybe maybe mom sent you a message. Who, who knows? Um, and and you began then a, 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 a successful f- first time out at, at treatment, right? I put all the effort I put in uh, that I put in getting drugs and using drugs. I used that hundred percent into my recovery. Um, I went to rehab for thirty some days. And then I went to a halfway house for more treatment for five months. And then I took another suggestion, and I went to a recovery house for 10 months after that. Yeah. Well, you you, uh, you hit upon a great thing that we hear more and more. We talk to people about their personal stories and that, and that the successful people 
are people who understand that this is a long process. And um, I love I love the notion that you took all of the energy you're using to to, to get high to get sober because that's what it takes. Absolutely, it, ta- I mean, it if, takes that level, right? If you're not a hundred percent willing um, and open to suggestions, this process is not going to work. Jason Oliver, our guest, Jason now works in the transportation department at Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. He uh, now fulfills the role f- that his brother uh, fulfilled for him uh, years ago when uh, he took him uh, from the home, from his home with his family to a treatment facility to begin his now successful uh, life in sobriety. When we come back, we'll find out, you know, what what uh, Jason is up to now at retreat. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martirano with you. We're here on Saturdays. We talk about the disease of addiction, uh, but most importantly, we talk about the road to recovery. Millions of people, believe it or not, millions of people are living in long-term successful sobriety. It, it can happen. It does happen. Uh, we are grateful for the support of retreat. They are world-class, and their reputation is uh, well-established in this field. Of course, we're not here uh, to tell you they're the only people in the world that can help you. We're here to inform and, and let you know that, um, as I say, you can get sober. Uh, I give you the phone number for retreat because, as I said, if they can help you with their facilities and their people, they will, obviously. Uh, but they give you the number in the spirit of, look, uh, we hope you never have to use this number. But if you have any questions about anything you've heard on this program or anything that's going on in your life with regards to substance abuse and treatment, you can call Retreat and they will answer questions. That, that, that's what they do. They will answer questions. They'll let you know that there's, there is a path out and maybe help you uh, find that. Uh, so anyway, again, to give you the number, hope you never need it. 855-859-8808. Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. 855 855- Eight five nine eight eight zero eight. From their transportation department, Jason Oliver is with us on Recovery Radio this week. Jason has just uh, told us in uh, wonderful detail about his substance abuse issues, which began with prescription opioids for serious uh, medical condition, and then after a decade of being prescribed these drugs, uh, uh, he, he progressed or progressed descended into a street use and heroin addiction. Uh, fortunately finding his way out when his family intervened and got him uh, into treatment. He now, as I said, is in the transportation department, and you may wonder, as I did when I first heard that treatment facilities, uh, good ones anyway, like Retreat, have a transportation department. I thought, what, what, what is that all about? Because it never occurred to me that it's one thing and an important thing to say you need treatment and another thing to get there, <laughs> physically get there, and that's what uh, Jason Oliver does and his uh, colleagues in the transportation department here. Um, so tell us about how you w- wind up in, in that field. What what happened after you got sober? Um, I ended up at the retreat through a friend um, that works at the retreat. Um, he's actually my boss. Um, but Chris? Yes. Christopher. Christopher's been on the program. Yes. And uh, – he got me the job here. Yeah. So now, tell me, I said at the beginning of the program, you know, be, I, I know I thought, well, you know, if you, you just get the treatment. You either have your dad or your mom drive you or a friend drive you, your brother maybe, uh, maybe you call a cab, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And then, I, and then I began to hear the stories about how, you know what, that's not that easy. So places uh, like Retreat who do it right will have somebody like you 
uh, drive to the house. T- tell us about that process. Um, yes, uh, it, it's a great service we offer because it takes the stress and the anxiety off the family and, and the patient um, because this the whole situation going into rehab is already nerve-wracking enough. Um, so being able to pick up the patient and getting them to rehab is definitely a key factor in starting the recovery process. I'm sure many people don't even factor that into it. They, they identify the problem, uh, manage to get the, the person convinced that they should go, and then go, now what? Um, I'm sure some people do drive their patients, their, their, their loved ones, uh, into a facility. But there's so much going on in the family at that point that they must be overwhelmed. When you say relieve the anxiety, you're really talking about getting this problem away from the family that's being destroyed by it so that they can begin the process of healing, right? Yes, because, I mean, the whole family, not just the patient, is just emotionally and physically drained um, because that's what the addiction does. Um, As addicts, we lean on the closest people around us, and unfortunately, the families get the brunt of yeah. that. Do you remember that drive to the hospital your brother took you on? Do you remember what was in your mind uh, during that drive? Uh, I was scared out of my mind. Um, my mind was racing a million miles a second. I, I couldn't even tell you what exactly was going through my mind. I know I was scared to death, though. Did, did you have second thoughts during that trip about, about going to the hospital? Absolutely. Um, but I knew... Um, from recent events that death was right around the corner if I didn't get help. Yeah, you, you, you make this drive as scary as it is at the hospital because the other drive is the last one. Correct. Yeah, you really had that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's a motivator. Yeah. <laughs> and my willingness to uh, live out, uh, you know. Yeah. Making the choice to stay alive rather than die. So, yes, yeah, it's a good idea. So, uh, so now in your job, you you you're your brother. You're 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 your brother to a lot of uh, people that you don't know that you're not related to, but are in the same spot you were in. When 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 you first meet them and you see them coming to the, you, you guys drive those SUVs. Um, do, you, do you remember? Do you look at them and go, oh, "Yeah, I, I recognize that look." Absolutely. I mean, I've. You know, it was the same way when I uh, was going to rehab. I just try to um, make them at ease and tell them a little bit about the process and just try to trust the process. Um, sometimes I'll give them a little bit of my background um, just to make them more feel at ease with me driving them. And, and then they open up a little bit and it kind of, you know, they kind of mellow out and you know, don't get as nervous because a lot of patients are very nervous. Um, some are coming there for the first time or some are very emotional. They're coming there for the second time Yeah, and, you know, feel ashamed and everything because that comes with the process too, you know, because we hurt a lot of people in our addiction and we're trying to fix just not ourselves, but the relationships we put a strain on. Yeah, you, you're very fortunate in that you applied yourself and got lucky in the first trip to treatment. Absolutely. Took hold. Uh, have you ever had the, and that's not the case for a lot of people. A lot of people are multiple visitors and multiple users of uh, rehab. They they, uh, they unfortunately relapse and go back. That's good. Have you ever had the occasion to pick up somebody twice? 
Yes. You have? Yes. And what was the reaction when they saw, did they recognize you? And Yes. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, they were just, you know, mixed emotions. Um, but I told them, what, you know, you're going to get it this time. You know, can't think about the past. You know, it's over with. But you made the right choice about coming back. So, you know, the, I mean, they're very emotional, sometimes very upset. Um crying and I just try to console them the best I can um, to, to just tell them everything's going to be all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you par- you're part of the chain. Uh, and that chain is the process of, of getting sober. Um, and and you're, uh, it's a critical part because uh, I know you've had the occasion of people saying, Nap, pull over. What happens then? I mean, we're, we're, we're not a jail, so um, – the patients aren't, you know, required to come here. So if they want to get out of the vehicle, like we we have to let them out. Um, it's up to us as drivers to convince them there is a better way than just getting out of the car and try to give the process a chance, you know. And if you don't like it after a week, you know, okay. But at least you gave it a try. Yeah, why quit here in the car? Let's, Correct. Why don't you go there and see? You can always right. quit, right? And the, the best part about my job is seeing the patient coming in and then having uh, to take them home too by chance because sometimes, sometimes that happens. Sometimes they need Oh, that must be great. And, and you see the process they've gone through and the confidence and the tools that the people at the retreat, the therapists and the staff give them, you know, for their first step onto their journey, you know, being productive members of society. Uh, uh, Jason Oliver takes people to treatment. That's what he does for Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. And uh, it's uh, not as simple as I said at the beginning. This is calling a cab and expecting them to get you to a facility. Um, it's a critical It's a critical and often overlooked component, that first step and drive to the, to the treatment facility. Jason, you ever have anybody – bail on you in the middle of a ride absolutely um you got to be very careful um and feel the patient out and determine what level you know are they are they anxious are they gonna bolt you know um you never know you know you're just you kind of put your trust in them too as much as they're putting their trust in us Mm -hmm. um so I kind of just try to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Um, I've had a few people just, you know, get out of the car real quick, so quick that I couldn't even say anything or do anything. You stop at a red light, they're gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I try, you know, we have contact information for them, you know, before we pick them up. So, you know, I, I try to get back in contact with the patient or I'll call admissions or I'll call my boss and we try everything we can to get that patient back in. Yeah. And, and most of the time, the, we're, we achieve that goal. They, they get they get back. Absolutely. There's a moment of panic there. That That's because that talk about a moment of truth. You're in the, you're in the car, you're going. I mean, it's, you're about to change your whole life. So that can be very, very stressful. Very stressful. Yes. And these are people that don't need stress. No, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so you, so this is really, I mean, this is odd, and, I, and you don't have to answer if you don't want. But you're you're involved in a kind of uh, what you do is an art, not a science. You've got to be able to read people, 
as you say, understand how much uh, stress they can actually take. I mean, how long do I prolong this? This this person really wants out. Let me see if I can go another mile, another three. You you do that process in your head when you're driving, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you have to um, be a good judge of character and everything and try to um, be as consistent as possible with the patient to get the patient there. Um, and, you know, just be, talk to them on a human basis, yep. you know, and not as like uh, an employee to like a patient. And I'm sure you certainly uh, believe that uh, your experience with substance abuse uh, gives you some, some insight, some deeper insight into what they may be thinking and feeling. I mean, yes, as an addict, um, we tend, as addicts, we tend to think alike, so, you know, what they're going through, I mean, ten, nine out of ten times, I've gone through the same thing. So it's kind of easier for me to relate on their level, um, and it makes the conversations easier to have with them. And, and they, for, they feel more at ease, too. Sure, of course. Okay, we're back on Recovery Radio. Um, our guest has been Jason Oliver. Jason is now uh, three years sober after having struggled for a very long time in his life with substance abuse, beginning with uh, being prescribed opiates for a serious medical condition and progressing to, uh, unfortunately, heroin. Uh, sober now, as I said, for three years and working in the transportation department at Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. Jason, thanks so much. I mean, these stories are fascinating. Uh, I told you before we went on the air that when I first found out that places like Retreat uh, we'll come and pick up patients. I thought it was some 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 kind of perk, and I guess in a sense it is, but it's way more important than that. I mean, if you can't get somebody physically to the site, um, then nothing's going to change. So it's been fascinating to listen to you. It's a, it's a difficult job. I mean, it is a difficult job. There is a, a responsibility in your hands, and I know you guys feel uh, you can be the difference between somebody getting to, to treatment and not getting to treatment. Uh, and to make... Uh, matters even finer in your 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 case you 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 handle a, spe- a special kind of uh transportation pay, uh patient long haul right mm-hmm. so t- tell me how how far will by the way how far will you guys drive to get somebody um we try to uh max out at five hours five hours five hours um we we try to if it's that long or longer we try to do a halfway meet um, point um, a little longer for us than the patients, but um, and their family. But yeah, when it when it's very long like that, over five hours, we try and do a halfway yeah. point. So you have had the occasion to be in the car with someone um, who needs to get to treatment for over four hours, right? Yes, three or four hours, right? Yes, I uh, I go a little past Pittsburgh. I go to Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, New York. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have difficulty being in the car with people uh, who are who are not struggling with anything for more than a couple hours, and I know they with me. So, wh- what is it like over a long haul? Do, do you tell us your techniques? Because you know, you, you, you got to have some tricks. I mean, it can be trying sometimes. I um, music is my best friend. Um, I try to comfort them and you know make them at ease with music. And we just kind of like jam out or talk about music or talk about anything but using, you know, 
unless they're really emotional, you know, I'll, you know, we'll talk about it. But I try to keep it on just like, like I said, human to human level, just just uh, talking to them and making them feel at ease. So the first couple of minutes, I, I, I guess, I mean, you don't have a lot of background information about these people. You have, you know, your sort of description and name, rank, and serial number, right? Yeah, no, no description right. at all. You don't know anything about just, their story, their background, anything. I just try to feel them out the best I can. Right. And... Right, so you're going to spend a, f- a couple of minutes there as they first get in the car, and you're pulling away, going, "Okay, who is this? Do they like sports? Uh, what right. kind of music?" So you do all that, right? Yeah, I do. I do all that, and um, you know, uh, I- I'm a big sports fan, so I-, I know a lot about all the sports. Um, so that's easier for me to talk to uh, to a person <laughs> about. Um, so we'll go there. We'll do the music. I know a whole broad. Uh, array of music so i pretty much like everything so whatever the patient likes i i pretty much try to accommodate unless it's you know certain music um but yeah i just um it's better when you know you can just connect to a person like that and then it makes a drop drive a lot easier now some patients they do sleep the whole entire time right sometimes God, that's you a know, godsend, I'm so sure. <laughs> I'll take that. You know, that makes my job easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but most often, you're 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 really managing the situation, right? Yes, you're managing the situation. It, my job is, you know, to get them to the facility as comfortable as possible. You know, stress free. You know, and once I get them through doors, I've done my job, and you know they're they can start the next process yeah, of the recovery. It, it's, a, it, it's an amazing, it is an amazing job. When you said sports, I got a huge kick out of it because having done sports for a little bit myself on, on the radio, I, I, you just described the situation, I imagine, where the, you know, the garden variety yelling and, and fighting about a sports issue mm-hmm. it can be annoying. In your context, it's probably a great thing. If the guy in the back seat and you disagree about something, that might take 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like when I pick up, you know, patients from, say, like, New York or something, you know, because I grew up an Eagles fan. So oh, and then you start, have to deal with Giants talking fans. about the Giants, you know, and, you know, that can go back and forth. Like, it, I mean, it's it's pretty funny sometimes. So. Oh, Jason, you're a better man than me because I know what your job is, but if a Giant fan got on my nerves, <laughs> he may I may have to pull over before we got we got there. But, I mean, whatever works. I mean, whatever works. Your job is to get this person uh, to keep this person, I should say, keep this person moving absolutely in that direction. You know, the the whole the key to this whole thing is just get the patient there and get them the help they need. You know, by any means possible. Yes, I know. It, you know what we we have uh, said many times on the program and have come to understand completely that getting sober is not one thing it's many things it's not one length of time it's a it's a long continuum of time it's it's not it can for some people be a short journey for others it's a lifetime uh, journey and it all begins in in your vehicle uh on the road to uh to uh treatment and hopefully recovery so we appreciate your work uh congratulate your sobriety and thank you for your time Thank you. It was my pleasure. Okay. Uh, everybody, uh, have a great weekend. Uh, it's, you know, I'm sure it's raining. It always rains on the weekends uh, nowadays, and this is the worst spring ever. Uh, so uh, please look for us uh, next Saturday on Recovery Radio. Take care and goodbye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.